Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. I'm Mike Dahl, and with me today is Josh Howith and Jordan Bradley. Good to have you guys here today. And Jordan Bradley. It's weird to be on here. Yes. So Jordan does all the work to make this happen behind the scenes, and we've been talking about something that we thought would be helpful for the three of us to discuss on a podcast. So Jordan, what do you want to discuss and why? Yeah, well, let me preface this by saying everything I say today is applicable to me as well. So uh, I know my wife, when she hears I'm doing this episode, is going to say, why were you talking about this? <laughs> you, you are not good at this. And that has to do with um, like digital discipleship, digital addiction, and thinking of how social media and technology and stuff certainly is a benefit and good tool in our lives, but can quickly become something that's out of control as well. And I, again, I'm guilty of this, okay? So I'm not coming at everybody in the church about this, but as a youth pastor who works with teenagers who are very plugged into their phones and technology, which is good, again, not a bad thing, and even with you know adults in our church as well, parents are trying to navigate what to do with their kids. I think we as adults should also be trying to navigate how do we use this? How do we not let mm-hmm. this become... Uh, you know, like something we are addicted to, almost like an idol. Uh, is it replacing real relationships? Just just a whole lot of things. And so, uh, yeah, I thought that would just be a good conversation to have. I A lot of what I'll talk about today is based off a book called Digital Cocaine. Yes, that is a provocative title by Brad Huddleston. And he he's a, a computer science and Bible degree holder who really goes around talking to teenagers and parents about um, the dangers and, and benefits of technology and, and really gets into even the science behind how it's affecting our brains and then brings it on a spiritual level as well. So it sounds like this is going to be a helpful conversation for all of us as Gresham Bible Church. At least for right. me. If it for and me else. too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so for students, for parents, for those who are not parents or not students, for all of us in the day and age in which we live, something we have to grapple with. So so what would you say, Jordan, as we're entering the conversation, what's the problem? Yeah, I, I think the the problem is, you know, technology is always advancing, always easier, always smaller, always quicker, that it's something that we, um, we, we go to quickly to get information or to have good communication with people. It's great for keeping relationships. We, you know, we did church online for three months only online slash continue doing the live stream today for those who aren't comfortable coming to church yet in light of a pandemic that would not have happened 10 years ago I have no idea what we would have done for church nothing I don't know what would have happened Josh could have had to I don't know go door to door to preach to people from six feet away Um, record sermons on tapes yes uh, yes. yeah oh man I remember my dad having cassette tapes that's right um but at the same time like I suspect everybody listening to this can say, yeah, I'm probably on my phone too much. You know, like I, and if you're the person listening to this that doesn't do that, bravo to you. And perhaps you should be the one talking on this episode. But uh, it, it just, it becomes something that um, we we do get addicted to. Uh, Brad Huddleston talks about in his book that when you see a notification on your phone, that your brain gets the same hit of dopamine that you would if you took a line of cocaine. Now, I've never done a line of cocaine, but I have 
been like, oh, I got a new message, you know? And so, and then you continually want more and more of that. Just like if you start, again, I'm not familiar with this, uh, but if you have a little bit of cocaine, you normally need more cocaine to get the same effect as the You're last kind of an time. expert on cocaine. I know. I've, I've seen a lot of movies <laughs> just for, it's a word for research purposes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but those so, are, those are all things that like are programmed into our lives. I mean, probably yeah. maybe similar, like the old school. Remember the whole like dial-up sound? You know what I mean? That was like <laughs> totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. But like when you're hearing that, you're like, it's generating that excitement. Like yeah. right, I'm getting online or uh, different things like that. So yeah, so yeah. this is you know this is new in the last 25 years with cell phones and you know computers and everything else becoming so commonplace in our world. Um, but it, you know, if someone had a coke addiction problem we could say that's a problem but if we're chasing the same feelings we are from our cell phones or whatever else of social media whatever it could be whatever it might be for you in terms of technology we don't see those as a problem in fact we actually like there's expectations like especially for us in ministry if we're not constantly connected to the members of our congregation or me to the 70 students in our youth ministry like, I'm not doing my job well, right? And so, but that's starting to, even within it, breed habits within me. I'm not blaming my issues of the phone on the students in our <laughs> church, just so you didn't hear me say that. But, you know, like, yeah, it starts to cause an issue. And uh, I, I know for me, just uh, even not so much the social media aspect, but just the desire to be up to date on information of the world is something that, like, really starts to grab onto me. I like to yeah. know stuff. And I like to know it right then. And so, it, yeah, it, I want that hit just from the knowledge of what the world has to offer. Yeah. So how would both of you help us think about, so there's this problem, is technology good or bad? Why? I mean, it's, we talked a little bit before we started recording. It. it Josh said it well. It's amoral. It's not immoral it's not moral it's just technology uh, it can be bad it can be used for bad and it can be used for good again we've talked about positive benefits of this uh online schooling took place you know study pods that we did this year was them coming together to do online schooling there's probably more fellowship than online schooling at the end but again like you know like we reused technology well there but Food is a good thing. I can turn food into a bad thing very quickly if I'm taking down a pint of ice cream every night, you know, because it makes me feel good. Um, sports are a good thing, but if I'm spending 12 hours a day reading every article about Damian Lillard to know how he's going to do in the playoffs, then that starts to become an issue. It, it's Anything can, can start to become bad. It, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that all things are lawful, but not all things are permissible, meaning like, Everything, in it's okay to do things unless it's like an outright specified sin, but you can start to turn it into something that mm-hmm. causes issues in your life. So it sounds like as Christians, the primary lens we want to think about this through is as Christians. So technology, this smartphone I'm holding in my hand that is doing all these things to me is not inherently good or bad, but what if we were to like press that a little bit further what would you say, what comes to mind, is it doing something to us? So it's still a moral, but I guess where I'm coming from is, isn't it still formative? It's shaping us in ways that we're still learning. Like just 
what comes to mind? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, what you look at on your phone is shaping you, right? You know, if uh, I was joking with you guys before, if I hate getting that weekly weekly screen report notification on my phone of like, <laughs> oh, what's it going to be this week? And hopefully it says, oh, your usage was down 34%. That's not always the case. But, you know, then you can look at, well, what were you doing on your phone? You can even look. For me, most of the time, my usage rate is podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm not actually on the screen, but I'm still using my phone. But, okay, what podcast am I taking in? You know, like it's going to start to f- shape my worldview, how I think about things, what, you know, how I act, how I talk. Like all those things are being affected by what you input into you. We ourselves are like a computer, right, of that you input things into it and it spits things out the other end. So what you take in technology-wise is going to start to shape you in, in different ways and different forms. And yeah, I think we can – we don't always – spit good things out you know at the other end with the things we take in from from the world yeah josh any perspective from you on that i wanted to hear like kind of almost but this was more like on a just for fun front but like i feel like with technology people are like either early adopters middle adopters late adopters oh yeah you know so i was kind of just even curious out of you guys like where are you at on that? I don't know. Cause I wonder, cause I, ma- I imagine people like when it comes to technology, they're either some of them like just love it. Right. So anything new that comes out, like I know people who like listen to podcasts about technology and they like <laughs> buy the things before, you know what I mean? And then there's the people who just like despise it. So they, they don't adopt it until it's the latest ever. So I feel like that question in a way is almost, it creates understanding on how people even like, at a dispositional level mm-hmm. feel about technology. What are you? But <clears throat> I'm like a uh, like a middle adopter, but I'm always very skeptical of technology right away. Like, I think it's so dumb. Like, <laughs> I just, something comes out. Like, I remember when, like, CDs came out, and I'm like, tapes are great. Like, I don't need a CD. <laughs> or when the iPod came out, I was like, um, I was like, why would I need an iPod? Sad. I have, like, my yeah. CD case, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, it's stuff like that, or oh, man, I remember when just the streaming platforms for TV came out, or you know, just any literally anything that ever has come out, I'm immediately I feel strongly against it. Hmm. I worked at Blockbuster when DVDs became prominent, and we had like two shelves of DVDs, and I remember people would come in asking for DVDs, and I was like, "What is your problem? We have like VHSs are awesome, <laughs> like you know." But now I'm like. Oh, I, I feel I like streaming it. a movie is more fun. So that's kind of where I am. So yeah. I'm always like highly skeptical. I don't need that. And then something clicks and I'm like, this is the best thing ever. So, but sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to like, I just, no, I love, out of curiosity, I, I was, I was like, good. What, what are you though? Uh, I do, I'm either early or middle. So um, I actually got uh, an mp3 player before the ipod was invented it was called the creative jukebox and it looked like a disc man yeah. except it was thicker because it, it was a hard drive but it had yeah. i think it had like two gigs on it or something like that and i could put i could put like 150 cds i'm like this is the coolest thing ever and i remember I, I got it i brought it to high school like my junior year like it was expensive when it came out it was all i wanted for christmas that year and my friends were like, well, what is this thing? And they would, then when the iPod came out, I don't know, 
three or four years later, they're like, look at that massive thing. You're and so I hated Apple products just because oh, like it this ruined came you. first. It, Steve Jobs <laughs> didn't invent this, and <laughs> and like oh, mine's so much smaller. Totally. It holds more than yours. So yeah. I I've never owned an iPod. Uh, I've had other MP3 players since then, and but I was a late adopter to an iPhone or smartphones in mm-hmm. general. Like. I was a T9 texting master with my clamshell flip phone. Yes. And then when the like when the the touch screen came out I was like my yeah. thumbs are too fat. There's no way I'll ever oh, be I able know. to text. This is stupid. Like this isn't going to be a th- and now, you know, yeah. you know, I I don't I I don't know what I have. I think I have an iPhone 9. I don't even know what I have. Like, I'm not a guy that's like, I'm going to buy the next thing. It's like, all right, this thing is no longer functioning. Do I have a free upgrade at Sprint? Right. I'll go get a new totally. phone. Um Movie, movies, yeah. I'm an early adopter yeah. because I love movies. That's so right. Much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was always an Apple guy. Like I think in 2004, I got my first iBook. Back then, is what they were called. So I've just always been an Apple person. But I had like a uh, one year, I got a new laptop, and they gave me the free video like iPod. You oh, know, yeah. like it looks like an iPhone. Yeah, it could do everything but call. Yes, and I remember just thinking like. Why would I need an iPod or iPhone then? Like, I just thought it was so dumb. I'm like, I have everything I want. And then, so I was still doing the flip phone thing and had this nice iPod or whatever. But anyway, yeah. Are you early? You late? I'm late. Late, late, late. So I had a flip phone. I know. I'm not (laughs) even. Is that uh, why we can never get a hold of you? So when I used to commute to and from downtown on the Max up until about four or five years ago, I was still rocking a flip phone because it was cheap. And people would look over at me like I had like traveled in times. You were a shady man. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But now hipsters like think flip phones are cool. So I don't even know like early, middle, late. It's always changing. So I don't know. I know people too who love technology like the deleted scene or last scene in Napoleon Dynamite. And they, what, um, what is that? I love technology that Kip sings at his wedding. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I need yeah. to go rewatch that now. I, <laughs> yes. I don't remember that scene. It's yeah. after the, the credits. Dynamite is a doll family classic. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. That, is yeah. the llama in that scene? Yes. Tina? I think it's, is it a llama Tina. or a horse? Right. Oh, it's a llama. Oh, it's a horse at the end. Oh, it but, is? Oh, okay. Yeah, at their wedding, yeah. But Tina. the llama's name is Tina. It is. Yeah. yeah. Tina, eat your food. This is the we discuss on Life Together. That's right. Absolutely. Uh yeah, no, that's a great way. That's a great way to think about it. Is early adopter, middle adopter, late? That does kind of impact maybe like our appetite for technology. Well, I'm just saying your disposition, because like, yeah. I think people, when you think about technology as a whole, go. I mean, we we're going. I'm kind of maybe going back to the good or bad thing, but mm-hmm. um, I think people who are late adopters, I would imagine, are a little bit more like techno- technology's bad. I'm guilty of that. Sure. I'm always like, man, I wish we can go back to the. 1970s life was so much simpler whatever you know and I never I didn't you really weren't actually, alive at the 70s. I know so <laughs> I always choose the wrong era as I said the other day I wanted to live in like England in 1920 and my friend texted me and he was like you mean you want to experience this plague and this world war and I'm like no like you know but uh but all I mean is like I have that disposition often yeah mm-hmm. like it's dumb it's bad it's ruining what's better. And I, but I imagine people, I know I have friends who are on the early adopter side, so they're not skeptical of technology really at all. Yeah. They're just like, it's great, you know? And so we do the same thing, I think with social media, Yeah, like it kind of keeps us on there often because we go, um, we, we see all the bad of it, but then we go, but it's good for this. And so mm-hmm. it's the one thing that keeps us there. So I just think our evaluations of technology are 
um, our dispositions are actually a big part of that almost, yeah. I would yeah. imagine. Oh, that's a good point. So, what do you think in your Sorry, own? I don't even know. Yeah. I no, no. Yeah. Doing the thing, but no, that's I think that's super helpful. At, so. yeah, yeah. Fits. yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Like, what have you seen technology do to you? Like, how has it changed you? Or what maybe would your wife say or your kids? And I guess where I'm coming from is I've shared this, but I've noticed my attention span, my retention when reading a book has gotten worse big time over the past three to five years. Mm-hmm to the point where when I'm reading a page, it's like my mind is conditioned to look for a bullet point or hyperlink or upshot where I have to actually press pause in my mind or look out the window and make sure, am I getting the argument of this book? It's I've become conditioned to short little snapshots rather than being able to follow a train of thoughts. And, mm-hmm. and that's a me problem, but I think kind of the power of this conversation is to really recognize like what history will say about this point in time and how much technology Mm. again not good or bad can be used for good or bad but it really is formative it shapes Mm. how we see the world i don't know like have you guys seen technology change you in different ways definitely my me yeah and in a lot of negative ways um one of my favorite all-time quotes um, that I remember when I read it in college was by Jim Elliott. He says, wherever you are, be all there. Mm. And I think that's always been one of my favorite quotes because it's, it's pretty aspirational and convicting because I just struggle with often being present. My mind will be thinking about so many other things. And so um, di- just that idea of disruption and um, uh, distraction actually makes that sort of relational intimacy more impossible. So uh, I'm guilty of many nights, you know, maybe going home and being on my phone too much or, you know, and I'm, I'm doing work, right. Or I'm reading important things. You know, it's, it's not just, I'm doing something that I would say is valueless, you know, Um, sometimes scrolling through like the score app or something to see who's winning what, but might be uh, categories of that. But a lot of times I could argue it's important things that I'm doing, but it's it's taking me away from being fully present. And so you were talking about that earlier, just uh, maybe not when we've been recording, but just when uh, kind of that idea of distraction and, and how that, it, it makes it really difficult to actually be, not, I, maybe you wouldn't just say productive, but it makes it really difficult to actually um, succeed in what you're doing because yeah. it takes so long for your brain Maybe you should mention that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Brad Huddleston talks about in this book, Digital Cocaine, which borrow it from me if you want to, um, that multitasking is actually false. It's not a real thing, which I read that and I'm like, you don't know me, Brad. <laughs> I multitask all the time. But we're not actually multitasking. Our brains literally can't do it. It's actually called task switching, and you're just switching very quickly between tasks. So, like, Mike, when you're reading a book and you get distracted by uh, text or whatever, I'm not just Mike, I have this too, it, it takes a second for your brain to switch to dealing with that text message, responding to that, and then switch back into your book mm-hmm. that, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, I got to reread that paragraph or something. Or, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I, f- I see my phone coming, I'll just finish this paragraph and then I'll deal with it. You know, sometimes it's like, I'm so like, oh, I, I'll, mid-sentence, I'll pick up my phone to see what just happens. Like, I can't even finish the sentence. And so, uh, yeah, the effects of that, he talks about how the effects of it 
again, I haven't experienced this, but it's the same as if uh, if you were using marijuana, that it really dulls your senses and you know your process time is slower. Hmm. Task switching is the same thing as that, but he says it's four times more of a slowing effect. So, you know, here's some practical stuff right here. If you're a kid or a parent and you're trying to get something done, if you switch from math to history to respond to an email to a text message to an Instagram post back to math, you're going to feel like you didn't accomplish anything or learn anything. Or with us at work, if if I go from studying a Bible study to responding to a Slack to oh, I got to order this thing on Amazon to back to my Bible study. It would have been better if I just closed the door, turned off notifications and did my Bible study for 45 minutes as opposed to it took an hour and 15 minutes. But hey, I got more stuff done. I actually didn't. It's, it's actually not the same mm-hmm. thing. And so, but man, our whole society is built around, like you could look at job postings right now and I bet you could find like qualifications, like good multitaskers, probably like on most like, job listings right mm-hmm. it's not a thing it, it, wow. I'll, I'll trust brad that he's done the research on this he cites a bunch of psychologists and stuff mm-hmm. and so yeah you think of just how that how technology affects us in like a way we don't even understand mm-hmm. and and we're so addicted to the multitasking aspect that i don't know like we're all number slash dumber for it i guess <laughs> you know i mean like it, it sounds funny to say it like that but we, we kind of are as it is it's starting to just you know affect our brain chemistry. Well, I wonder so much in the multitasking if there's really this desire within us to um, just get more done or be um, less limited in our capacities, you know? And so I'm trying to do so many things at once because um, for, you know, different reasons, uh, I'm actually just trying to um, live into this false identity that I actually can can do more than right. maybe God has designed me to mm. live into and be okay with, you know. Um, and we were talking about, like, the idea of drinking your cup of coffee and not being on your phone or doing something else, but just sitting there and drinking your coffee, for mm-hmm. example, or um, going on a walk, you know, and sometimes our family will do that and we'll leave our devices at home. Um, and it makes the walk so much different, you know, mm-hmm. versus if I get a text message, it's going to pull me away. Um Although I feel like maybe I'm being more productive, I'm I'm just not able to actually be fully present, which I think is a huge issue uh, based upon our understanding in our Christian faith around kind of what even our our lifelong goals are. You know, what I mean, yes. if our if our lives are to enjoy God, um, if our if our goals are to glorify God or um, to minister to people's lives and souls, but I have something that may be pulling me away from that being present with that person, um, being more distracted, then I, I should see that more as a threat to maybe what I'm going for than, um, like a benefit. Yeah. I mean, if you, as you say that, you know, if parents are listening to this podcast and are like, yeah, my kid is on the phone all the time. Like I would say, stop and assess. Are you like, ask your kids, Hey, do do you think I'm on my phone too much and see what they say? You know, and man, I've, thankful I have a wife that'll call me out on of like hey could you get off your phone and be a little more present with your daughter Mm -hmm. you know and like even if she's watching Paw Patrol for the eighth time that I've seen this episode (laughs) and it's like all right I'd rather be scrolling Twitter right now and learning about stuff I care about it's like all right but how much is that going to affect Olivia of Mm -hmm. like does she just think dad's on her phone um Steve Jobs was interviewed in 2010 when he invented the iPad 
and uh, reporter said, like, oh, man, your kids just must love the new iPad. And he said, oh, no, my kids don't use it. And the guy said, what? <laughs> he said, no, 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 we really limit their screen time. And then later the guy that write, wrote the biography about Steve Jobs before he passed said that he was over at their house, and at dinner time, nobody at the Jobs uh, table had any technology. And they weren't talking about technology. They're talking about, you know, books that they've been re- like actual real-life page-turning books. and. Mm-hmm culture and you know news turtlenecks yeah it's like so if steve jobs had figured this out why is there not a warning label on an iphone for us or whatever right but he knows i I think it's because apple's in the business of making money but he knows it's more important for me to be with my kids with my family than to be constantly being productive you know yeah Mm -hmm. we can we can convince ourselves so quickly oh i'm being productive like I'm still with my kid. I just got to get this stuff done. Mm-hmm. Are you, though? Yeah. Or if you're a teenager listening to this, ah, you know, yeah, I'm with my friends, but I got to keep up this relationship, too. Well, what does it mean for the person right in front of you? And, yeah. you know, I think we all would say we don't like it if you're hanging out with someone and they keep checking their phone of like, man, they weren't there. Well, I don't feel like we do that with ourselves and, mm-hmm. you know, shine the spotlight on me that I'm, I'm guilty of this, too. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, it's like in the sweep of history this new level of technology again is new and we're still seeing what it's doing to us. How about in digital cocaine, um, Jordan, any other things? I know I just wanted to say cocaine, (laughs) uh, in, in digital cocaine, uh, what are some other problems? (laughs) (laughs) I'll put Uh, an explicit warning on this podcast. Kid listening to this right now being like, (laughs) yeah, that's true. Let me Google that. Good time to teach them what not to do. Yeah. So, so Jordan, in the book you recently read, what are some other kind of implications or problems that we're starting to see because of, and again, our conversation is kind of more focused on maybe like smartphone, yeah, you know, new yeah. technology, just what comes to mind. Yeah. So like Juno uh, email maybe. Is yeah. That, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, my space just really it's hard for me to, to get off of AOL messenger. Oh man. I miss AOL messenger. Yeah. I had, I'm oh, sorry. I would multitask with AOL and MSN messenger at Whoa. the same time. Whoa. Was, wow. Big time, guys. Skills. So, yeah. Uh, while finding the perfect song for my MySpace page. Sorry, I'm acting like a smartphone, just trying to distract you from the actual I questions. That's why I'm here. Rabbit trailed so me well. I'm a living this is, illustration. That's why I'm not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that uh, Brad talks about is uh, this condition called anhedonia. So an means without, and hedo, where you start to get like hedonism, is pleasure. So there's a condition that's been developing in us of lack of pleasure or or um, diminished pleasure. So this goes back to that dopamine thing I said at the beginning, the, the idea of this digital cocaine, of that, uh, you know, it, I, I play video games. When I first started video games, I probably only played 30 minutes at a time, and that was cool as, you know, playing on my, my Super Nintendo back in 1994. Um, now... I mean, now I don't play video games as much because I'm a dad, but, you know, slowly through high school, that would elevate that I had to play two to three hours at a time to get that same like oh that was so fun that was so good you know we we have access to more things in the history of the world and yet how often have you said or heard someone else say man i'm so bored there's nothing to do it's like what are you talking about there's like limitless possibilities of things to do it's because we've doled our pleasure center and it's because we because of getting those dopamine hits you have to do more and more and more and more and more to get the same feeling and so literally psychologists have done the studies we're creating a barrier in the front of our brain where we register pleasure and it's like we're putting a wall up 
so you know in the last uh 25 years depression and anxiety has risen by 70 percent by people in in america what's come around in the last 25 years computers smartphones technology is on the rise right i mean you think there might be a correlation to that mm. i'm someone who struggles with depression and uh Often, you know how I deal with depression? I don't talk to anyone and I just sit on my phone. I'm probably not helping the matter. Yeah. Whereas, like, when I'm with people in person, some of the times what gets me out of my depression more than anything is going to youth group and hanging mm-hmm. out with teenagers for two hours. And, like, I'm not on my phone. I'm with people. I'm doing something face-to-face. Or mm-hmm. you you and I, the three of us, we recently hung out and watched a basketball game together. It was a super fun two hours. Like, mm-hmm. we just sat and watched a basketball game and talked about life and sports and stuff. So I went home, won, like, yeah. what's that? The wrong team won. But the yeah, wrong team right. won, yes. But I went home, like, feeling like, man, that was a good night. Mm-hmm. But as opposed to if I had stayed home and, like, watched TV by myself while also scrolling on my phone or playing a stupid mobile game on my phone while I watched TV, I probably wouldn't have had that same feeling. So, like, even where we find pleasure, we're doing it in, like, finding it in, like, almost artificial ways as opposed to, like, what we were naturally yeah. built for designed for which is community which is real relationships which is face-to-face being with people mm-hmm. yeah and doesn't our christianity speak into this place i'm just thinking of processing what you're saying jordan like theology of creation and worship and what we're made for it kind of all applies totally. here um so we're entering the conversation as you know student ministry uh but then it applies to all of us at gresham bible church what are some ways forward I think we all probably resonate with, yeah, this is a problem around us, in us, but what are some ways forward that you would encourage us with just talking this through? Yeah, um, Brad Huddleston has a, a great thing about, he talks about digital detox. Um, I'll just read what he says out of this. He says, I want you to ponder something right now, so do this podcast listener. Pretend you're going to put your charging dock in a place far away from your bedroom and two hours before you go to bed, you're going to place your phone in that dock until morning. I didn't say to do it, I just think about doing it. Now be honest, how does that make you feel? Are you anxious? Are you having thoughts that are telling you why you have to have your phone in your bedroom at night? If so, you're addicted. If you honestly thought that'd be no big deal, then do it right now. You've got a handle on this. But I mean, like even that question, like reading the book and me think of it like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Like mm. that's showing me right away there's something going on. And, you know, we did uh, our week of prayer and fasting not that long ago and was super beneficial for so many people in the church, myself as well. Man, we need to fast from technology. And, and Brad talks about this of doing this digital detox. So, um you know, if you're going to do it, though, what's your motivation behind it? Why yeah. you got to remind yourself why you're doing this. Is it just because eh, I don't want to be so addicted to something? Or is it because, like, no, I need to be more connected with my kids, my family, my friends. Or I need to be more connected with my God might be mm-hmm. part of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying we need to replace every second of screen time with reading your Bible and singing Kumbaya to be a good Christian. But I suspect, you know, if you're saying, ah, I don't really have time to read my Bible— I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably could squeeze some time out of other activities you're doing mm-hmm. to read the Bible. Um, time for a detox, he suggests just do 24 hours. Pick pick a Friday, pick a weekend, a day that, like, you're not at work stuff and, like, literally mm-hmm. turn technology off for 24 hours. Read a book. Read a real book. Play some board games. 
go on a hike, go on a walk, make plans to do something that's going to take your mind Mm -hmm. off the fact that you don't have um, off your phone. Um, And then when you log back on, you know, there might be that overwhelming sensation of look at all these messages or things I didn't apply, uh, reply to. And Brad says that's a great time to reassess, well, what's most important? Like, are you getting, you know, are there emails you can unsubscribe from that mm-hmm. I don't really need to know this? Or, you know, are those relationships of, well, I, I would have rather seen that person, you know, face-to-face as opposed to replying to this. It'll kind of give you a, a chance to think of things that way. And then the last thing is do it again. Like a, a, a one-day detox is great, but if we could start to be in the habit of this, again, preaching to myself here, of start to, I don't know, almost get like a little bit of control back in our lives of just the things that we don't, I don't think we realize have a hold of us the way that they do. So I'm just going back to that first question. Like if I told you, hey, your homework is go plug your phone in downstairs in your basement two hours before you're actually going to go to bed. And if your response to that is like, I'm not so sure about that, then that probably means you should do it. Yeah, my response would be I don't have a basement, but yeah. so <laughs> garage. Yeah, for you, Josh. no, but I like what you're saying. I mean, because uh, you know, like we've talked about it, but in Andy Crouch's Tech Wise family, he says a similar thing about, um, you know, have one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year that you're kind of tech free, just to kind of be more present as a family. Um, or he talks about making your phone go to bed before you do mm. and wake up after you do. So putting your phone away and then you're not just you, you still have some time before you're going to sleep first thing I do when I wake up is not look at my phone or my device or whatever it is so that kind of stuff I think is helpful I think like trying to get a handle on maybe what are some proactive ways that I can make sure this I, I'm you know uh, being formed I guess through technology in a way that hopefully is making me more more Christ-like I think is super helpful but honestly I think one thing I've just noticed in my own life is it's not so much those hard and fast new rules that I create for myself and live into versus just trying not to plug every space in my life with more noise. So, um, you know, I might go through seasons where I just have the TV on or I'm listening to a podcast or music or something in the car or whatever. And I've found that often um, in those seasons when I'm just choosing to not have something on, even in the background, and it's just kind of quiet and I'm doing normal things, I find that in that space, I actually just start praying more often or I'm more aware of like God being with me. Um, And so as I'm thinking about things, as my mind's running to different things that I'm worried about or um, just needing to figure out, it kind of drives me to start praying in these natural ways. And so I've learned like, if I just don't plug every second of my day with some sort of noise, it's actually going to drive me to have deeper communion and conversation with God. Or um, obviously, if you're in your car with your kids, um, just it being more quiet in that regard, then yeah. you're going to have more conversation with them. So it's just, again, it's allowing you to be present. Yeah. Um, and so um, anyway, guys, I think some of that stuff is, is, is so helpful. And all of us, I think, could really benefit from it but i'm just on a long-term practical level oh yeah it's hard for people to like most people can't live into hard and fast rules it's kind of the idea of dieting or something like we just (laughs) we struggle with it and so food's good yeah so we just want to train ourselves in a way that um i know for me i need to taste something different or better so again i'm learning in this too big time and i found for me like going on a long walk or hike forces me 
to put away the phone to a degree that it reminds me like I actually prefer this quietness better. And then when I've tasted that I actually like this better, then that gives me that reminder, that moment of what I'm going to choose. But if I make it like a black and white, I'm only putting this away, then it's like I'm delaying what I really want. I'm just going to go right back to it. So I have to give myself something more satisfying. And for me, that's just kind of the quietness and the beautiful creation around us here in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And it just points my heart more towards that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this is something we're all trying to figure out big time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say, you know, assume this is majority adults listening to this it's going to start with you modeling this first for your kids to start to model it too i mean that you're talking about thanks for convicting me yeah Yeah. if you want to talk about discipleship discipleship really is taking place if you think of jesus with his 12 disciples of those dudes live with jesus and he said you know be like me (laughs) you know if you love me obey my commands well they have to know his commands to do that they saw how he interacted with other people they you know were rebuked and taught of how to do things when they made mistakes or whatever and our kids are watching us our students are watching me at youth group and so how i do what i do is the things that they're going to start to replicate so you know i hope parents aren't going to listen to this and be like hey i heard some things we need to start doing with your cell phone or whatever but like start with you first and that's where it's actually going to they'll notice it and they'll start to be different. Yes, you should make some family plans too. I mean, like different suggestions that would come from multiple resources. This has been a a bigger avenue of books being written in the last several years because I think so many people recognize there's an issue is, you know, like set a family rule of we don't have phones at the dinner table or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like because technology is not bad, instead of you all watching your own YouTube or Netflix videos on your own phones and tablets, like say we're going to watch one thing together as a family yeah. and no phones allowed during it. Like, so you're using technology in a good way because you're enjoying the yeah. same thing. You're interacting with each other in that. Mike, you're telling me that you guys kind of have some rules that have been helpful. I feel like you should have been leading this conversation because you're trying no, to figure this out all. where you're at with your man. Kids yeah. And teens. No, we're trying to figure it out. We talk with other families of, you know, teenagers as well and we're all trying to figure it out but just some basic again like distinctly christian principles just trying to train kids into that you know when they're hanging out with their friends it doesn't always have to be around their phones like there's goodness to putting your phones down like if your friends are going to come hang out maybe you should ask them all to put their phones in a certain basket and that's just kind of a house rule right it's not trying to be and that's what you guys do right uh, sorry, had, I'm, I'm we, learning this today. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, we have at different times. It kind of depends on the ages okay. of your kids, right? But as they're kind of being trained into this. Owen's three-year-old friends come <laughs> Yeah, <through>. exactly. <laughs> they, <laughs> that's awesome. Put your uh, fake phones in. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, all of this is like, when do you as a parent allow your child to have a phone? Why or why not? Right. I would encourage people to think about it not in terms of age, but maturity. And someone needs to demonstrate maturity first before you give this thing to them that you know, summarizing our conversation is immensely powerful to shape your appetites Mm. and how you view the world. And I'm just going to hand it to my 10 year old. I don't know. So, and again, feel free to disagree with me. Let's have a conversation about it, but it's something we just have to, as parents really grapple the implications with it. And again, I'm saying this from a place of like, man, I'm disappointed in myself just as we're talking here. So we're not trying to shame people, not trying to guilt people. It's like, Hey, let's just be real as Christians. This is a new time and place we're in let's figure this out together um and help one another in this so yeah yeah i think but i do think what you guys are saying just that example piece i mean that's like the heart of discipleship in a way Mm -hmm. is you not only are saying something but you're living it out 
And I mean, even as pastors, like I think of First Peter 5, like pastors are told to shepherd the flock of God that is among them to do so willingly and not for dishonest gain. And uh, he lists other things, but he says, set an example, like being an example to the flock. So like even as a pastor on like that level, uh, the way that we disciple people is through setting an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say like even as like a parent or um, as a kid, like you'll you replicate like who you are, like you you rub off on people. And I think at the end of the day, um, we would all want to model what it looks like to repent, what it looks like to say, hey, I'm not doing well in this area and to model that to our kids, because then hopefully you're going to explain why a little bit. Um, and so, um, so I would say even there's an example there of, of being called out, you know, or kind of calling yourself out to the carpet. Like I need to grow in this. I want you to help me like we're doing it together. Um, or that hopefully we are somewhat of an example of of being present, not distracted, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How about, I mean, these are conversations we're all having in our time and place, how about again thinking okay what are some helpful resources equipping path forward not that we're figuring out we're all coming here with a sense of humility we're all learning in this too but anything you would just commend to people of hey here's a helpful resource i've heard of or i've come across just to equip people listening to life together yeah the brad brad huddleston guy um what is the name of his ministries if you just go to bradhuddleston.com he has uh, a bunch of stuff on his website as well as um talks like you can watch videos of talks that he's done and things like that but uh he's i've I've really been encouraged by the stuff that he's done josh you were telling me about other stuff that you've been reading as of late too what were some of the other ones you mentioned oh i mean i mentioned earlier the tech wise family by andy crouch um you know i think it's really accessible i think andy crouch is pretty pretty wise um yeah, there's with every book, I always say you got to eat the meat, spit out the bones. And I mean, it's sort of just um, and I'm not saying there's anything bad in it. I mean, but the way that he, he has f- chosen to function in his family, I think for me, I'm just like, yeah, that's not my family. So I just there's going to be some things that just don't jive, but not because they're bad. It's just because functionally we our family is different. So um, but I think there's some helpful things in there, like in terms of what you're going for as a family, what you hope the outcomes are. Um, and then one that I think has been starting to become more widely read uh, is called The Wisdom Pyramid by Brett McCracken. And uh, I was able to go sit in on a workshop that he did here in Portland um, early January um, before the book released through Crossway. And um, he just kind of takes the idea of the food pyramid and how that's been used in our generation and maybe the generation right before us. I can't remember when that came out, but just around like what we should intake in terms of food if we want to have like a healthy body. Um, and, and, you know, everything at the very top is always the desserts, it's the candy, it's the sweets, soda, that kind of stuff. And so... Wait, that's it, not supposed to be a foundation on my uh, computer? I don't know, man. <laughs> you go, go look it up. Uh, but he, he kind of equates then kind of um, our technology, um, social media, those kind of categories of technology at the very top, like uh, in... The, it's good and fine, but in the smallest of doses, right, in moderation. But if we're filling our hearts and minds um, uh, foundationally with the Bible, um, secondly, he goes into the local church, um, just that church community. The third level, he uh, that pyramid, he talks about nature and beauty. And then the next level is books. And then you get up into the technology. And so um, so it's just the idea of, like, what am I intaking, which we've been talking about. So wisdom pyramid, tech-wise family, those are 
a few that come to mind that I think would at least be food for thought. Yeah, helpful. Jordan, thanks so much for um, spurring this conversation today. A lot to reflect on. Again, I think it echoes a lot of what we're all feeling and having conversations. And um, my hope, there's a level of irony here as all three of us in our room talking into technology, <laughs> talking about technology. So I hope this sparks like real conversations with fellow GBCers. Talk about what this looks like in your life, what you're learning, where the Lord's bringing clarity and conviction, and then how you're going to be clinging to the gospel together in this, right? And, and not just... Um, be like, oh, woe is us, but the Lord wants us to honor and glorify him and everything we are, including our, our technology lives. So yeah, that's, um, I, thanks, man. Yeah, I think parents talk to other parents, you know, like yeah. just talking to you guys before we started recording and during this, it's like, oh, I'm hearing what other people are doing and what's working. So yeah, just to support and be a part mm-hmm. of this all together, yeah. I'm sure will be helpful. And, and I so appreciate how you pastor the students, some of my kids in this and encouraging us to really live christianly and why um with this stuff we're all trying to figure out together so yeah (laughs) excellent good all right well thanks for joining us on life together we'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments or feedback on the discussion today and we really truly would uh you can reach out to me with any questions or comments or feedback and that's at mike at greshambible.org until next week thanks